Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. I just want to remind you, it's been a couple weeks uh, since we were in this. The last life point that we have was choosing the flesh. Uh, choosing the flesh will gratify your now, uh, but it will grab you later. And some of you remember that. Some of you maybe weren't here and don't remember that. Uh, but I used the illustration the Wednesday before that sermon, and I also brought it back up on that Sunday. And it was the illustration of kale and ice cream. Now, I did a marriage seminar down in Panama, and I was somehow that factored into one of the lessons as far as the flesh and the spirit and stuff. And so I shared with them that I shared with y'all about kale and ice cream. And I tried to start explaining it, and there were just blank faces all over the room. And I, so I was like, do y'all know what kale is? And they were like, maybe they thought I was saying my name because someone pronounced my name like that. But um, I was like, uh, no kale? And, and, and I was like, okay. Lettuce, you know, and so they, they, they grabbed a hold of that and uh, used that illustration there and it, and it worked. But um, just, a, I think, such an important reminder uh, to, to remember that we have been given the Spirit of God to instruct us, to guide us, to convict us, to help us, to comfort us. All the things that the Spirit of God does in our life. And if we'll choose to yield to the Spirit of God, man, it's just so much better. It's not as fun. It's not as enjoyable. Uh, it doesn't get the, uh, the, 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 the emotions going inside of us like the flesh does, but it's always better uh, to obey the Spirit. And so this, this week we're going to uh, move forward with the, the life point that we have and see what God has. So let's pray and we'll jump into this. Father, thank you so much again for this time. Thank you for the blessings that we've been able to uh, see you do uh, right before our eyes this past week. Uh, with the missions team, thank you for all those that were praying. Thank you for the, for the faithful servants here, Lord, as many of us were gone. Uh, just uh, so thankful for uh, our leadership, so thankful for those who, who serve, with, serve you and serve others uh, in such a great way. And so, God, we, we just praise you. You deserve all the credit. You deserve all the praise. And we honor you and, and, and praise you for the souls and the lives that were touched, that were changed for eternity. And Lord, we pray that it would continue on, uh, that, that work, uh, so much prayer, so much work uh, going into that one week, and we pray that it would just continue on. Uh, we pray that the work here would continue on, Lord, that we would see uh, fruit abound to your, to your glory. Uh, we do lift up as a church our missionaries, uh, the Joneses, Lord, that uh, as they get ready to travel today, that you'd keep your hand on them, that you'd take them safely everywhere they go, Lord, that you would keep them healthy as well. And most importantly, you'd go before them and allow them to be your hands and feet and, and do a spiritual work, an eternal work uh, that, again, you'd get all the glory from. And, um, Lord, just bring them back home safely as well. And uh, we'll praise you for that. Lord, just move this morning. I pray that it just, uh, just be a vessel that you would use. Again, that your word would be spoken, your spirit would move, your glory would re resound. And, uh, God, we would walk out of this place challenged, encouraged, changed, whatever is necessary. Uh, just have your way now, and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 42, if you have your Bibles, you can turn over there. We're going to be reading a few verses, and if you don't, it's going to be on the screen. I encourage you to uh, bring your Bibles, uh, because sometimes technology messes up. Amen? 
So if you, I, I, that's why I always bring mine. Uh, it's, it's for your benefit that we're not here for another 30 minutes, me getting to the scriptures. I put the scriptures in my handy iPad. I used to print them out. Um, but man, if it goes wrong, we still have the word of God. And that's the most important thing. So I uh, encourage you with that. Je, uh, Genesis chapter 42, verse 7. And Joseph saw his brethren and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, or he made himself uh, a stranger to them. So he, he saw them, noticed them, but he acted like a stranger with them. And he spoke roughly unto them. And they said unto them, uh, said unto them Whence come you? Where are you coming from? Very, very stern, very firm, uh, very cold. And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them, and said unto them, You are spies. And see, to, you've come to see the nakedness of the land. And verse 10, they said unto him, Nay, no, we're not. My Lord, we, we're coming to buy food. And that's the reason why we're here. Verse 11, we are all one man's son. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. And he said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land you're come. And they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest this day is with our father, and one is not, or one has passed away. Joseph said unto them, That is it that I spake unto, unto you, saying, You are spies. Hereby you shall be proved. So I'm going to test you out. You, you are spies. I know you're spies, but I'm going to put you to the test. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go forth from his. You're not going to leave unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him fetch your brother, and you shall be kept in prison, that your words may be tested, approved. Whether there be any truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together into the ward three days. And Joseph said unto them the third day, This do and live, for I fear God. If you be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses. But bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and you shall not die. And they did so. So just kind of a, I think you've been following along, but Joseph recognizes his brothers. They don't recognize him. He begins to say, you know what, I remember my dreams, and this is exactly what God had given me in my dreams. But he was going to prove them. He said, I'm going to put you to the test. So in doing so, he kind of put on a guise, and he told them, you're spies. You know, you heard it. No, we're not. You're spies. No, we're not. Um, and he said, okay, so I'm going to put you to the test. Remember, his youngest brother, Benjamin, was also his brother by Rachel. So this was, again, a dear son to uh, their father because Rachel was the, the woman that he desired. And so uh, he's like, you know what, I want to see my youngest brother. This is a funny thing because if you think in our Western mentality, uh, we know Joseph loved his other brothers, but you think in his, uh, in his mentality, he might have been thinking, you guys stink. You guys are the ones that threw me in the pit. You know, you guys are the ones that, you know, half brothers, you just want to get rid of me in my life. You didn't like my coat. You didn't like all that stuff. Uh, but he's putting them to test because he definitely wants to see his whole family. And um, so he changed his mind. He said, I'm going to keep you all, and you can send uh, somebody back. And then he changed it. He said, you know what? Everybody can go back, but one person is going to stay. And if I can see the youngest brother, then you can live. Verse 21, they said to one another, we are very guilty concerning our brother. Isn't that interesting? Uh, I was praying about whether to use this as one of the life points, but I just want to speak a little bit to it. You know, sometimes in our lives as children of God, um, we go through difficult times. We go through tests, we go through trials, 
We go through sometimes unexplained circumstances that are difficult. We say, well, I don't understand. I feel like I'm pursuing God. I feel like I'm trying to walk with God. I don't understand why I'm going through this. Sometimes it's just the trial. Sometimes it's just the, the world that we live in. Sometimes it's just that. But sometimes we go through things in this life and it's God correcting us. Sometimes it's God getting our attention with stuff. And I believe as a child of God, because Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice, they know me. I, I, he said, I'm, I'm known to my sheep and my sheep, and I know my sheep. So I, I believe that when, when we aren't in right fellowship with God and those things come about in our life that are actually correction or God trying to get our attention or try to stop us from going a certain way, I wholeheartedly believe that we know that that is God correcting us. If you've ever gone through something, you'd be like, I don't know why I'm going through this. I'm pursuing God. I feel like I'm being faithful. And, and, and you're that, then maybe it's not correction. Maybe it's not those things. Again, I'm not God. I don't know his, uh, his ways, his mind. I'm not pretending to know that. But I do know that sometimes we go through things and God lets us know this is my hand correcting you. These brothers knew right away <laughs> whenever they were put to this test. They said, you know what? We're guilty. We're, we're guilty concerning our brother and that we saw the anguish of his soul and when he begged us, we would not hear, therefore, is this distress come upon us? So again, they knew what was going on. Reuben answered and said, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and you would not hear. See, Reuben tried to speak up. Reuben said, Don't do anything wrong. We saw that when he came back on the scene, they had already done uh, the, the wrong. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. Verse 23, They knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. And he turned himself about from them and wept and returned to them again and communed with them and took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and restore every man's money to, into his sack and give them the provision for the way. And thus did he unto them. So let's, let's kind of get that recap again. Joseph knew them. He knew that they were the stinking brothers that treated him wrong. He knew them, and when he saw them, he, he wanted to see all of them. And so he, 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 did the, he had this plan to make sure that he could see even his youngest brother. He remembered the dreams, he remembered everything they did. They remembered what they did to him. And he was so, uh, so thankful and so uh, brought low because of what God had done in bringing his brothers to him, fulfilling the dream that God had given to Joseph, that he had to turn around to conceal his crying. He comes back to him and he says, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to fill your sacks full of corn. And I'm going I'm, I'm to give you money. I'm going to replace the money it took for you to get here and, and the expenses that you've had along the way. I'm going I'm to give it back to you. And gave them extra for the way that they would move forward going back home. Think about that. What an amazing display of grace. What an amazing display of unearned favor that he gave to his brothers and that's what i want to look at this morning the life point is we should give grace as we've been given or you grace give grace as you've been given it's not fun it's not easy as i've said before it's not pleasing to the flesh but we should give grace as we've been given grace colossians chapter 4 verse 6 says let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how to you ought to answer every man. See, grace is, is, is something that is so vital in each of our lives, uh, not just for salvation. I'll mention this a couple times, but it is also 
necessary for us to live with. Grace is that which affords joy, according to the dictionary, according to the, the Greek. It's, 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 a, it's a virtue, an attribute that uh, affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness. Again, grace for speech is found in Galos, uh, Colossians chapter 4 here. One commentator said this, Let all discourse be discreet and seasonable as becomes Christians. Talking about Colossians chapter 4. Let all discourse, everything you say, be discreet and seasonable as becomes Christians. Though it be not always of, of grace, it must, be always, must always be with grace. Though our discourse be of that which is common, yet it must be in Christian manner. Grace is the salt which seasons our discourse, our words, and it keeps, keeps it from corrupting. It's not enough to answer what is asked unless we answer aright also. I came across something very good the other day um, that I, I thought was very helpful. And uh, ways to give grace. Ways to give grace. So if we have received grace from God, which all of us have because we're still sitting here today, if we've received grace, we are to give grace. So how do we give grace? I want to say this as well. It doesn't mean that we fake it. Well, I'm just trying to be gracious. No, 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 no. That's, that's insincerity. No, we shouldn't fake it. We shouldn't put on a facade. We shouldn't be insincere in giving grace to others. We shouldn't say, well, I'm just trying to be nice. No, 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 no. This giving of grace is to be a sincere expression of unmerited favor that we have, that we have received ourselves. So the first way I think that we can give grace is with words, of course. We saw that in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. We can be gracious with our words, what we say, and not only what we say, but how we say it. You know, we can all be guilty of, of speaking emotionally, but emotion, emotionally doesn't all really equate to graciously. Usually when we speak in emotion, it is, it is uh, a, a negative way. So with our words, we can give grace. Number two, we can respond with grace. And of course, that does include our words, but it also includes our actions and our attitudes. So our response in our life to others should be with grace. We should show that gentleness, that kindness, that, uh, that, that love, that joy, that pleasantness, that pleasure, all those things that grace, grace encompasses. Number three, presence. We can give grace with our presence, and that means both physical and with our persona. In other words, uh, sometimes it's a gracious expression to just be there with someone. Maybe it's a phone, maybe it's a text, maybe it's a, a physical presence, but also with our persona and our, pre and our presence, right? Sometimes we look like we're miserable. That's not a gracious, that's not gracious presence. Sometimes we look like we're mad and angry. I, I, I got, um, I've shared this with you guys before. I've got, I, I was asked the other day if I was okay because I had this, my, my low brow going on. And, and uh, I was like, yeah, I'm absolutely fine. And, and they were like, oh, okay, I just, you just kind of look like, and I was like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I had to raise my, I'm sorry, I was in go mode, like focus mode, you know, and, and it can look like I'm angry, and I, I'm not angry. And so uh, it's for all of us. need to be aware of having a, a gracious uh, persona or presence. Number four, in forgiveness. We can give grace in forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 29 through 32 are such amazing scriptures. And contained in that scripture 
It says that we are to forgive as we've been forgiven. Do it sincerely. Do it completely. Do it immediately. If you're struggling with forgiveness, the best way to do it is immediately. Completely and sincerely. It frees you. If you're holding on to something and, 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 and you're not forgiving somebody, you're the one that's held captive by it. You're not hurting the other person at all. I mean, you may be in, in the way that you treat or say or, or maybe you're in, in your own thoughts that you're thinking bad towards them that that's doing something else. It's not. It's keeping you in bondage. Forgive as you've been forgiven. It's a way to give grace and forgiveness. But the fifth thing is in asking for forgiveness. We can give grace by simply asking. Sometimes we, we fill ourselves with pride and we're not willing to ask for forgiveness ourselves. It's gracious to say, you know what, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I, I, I wasn't intending that. I didn't, I didn't think about that or whatever. Number six, and finally, in expressing thanks or gratitude. See, grace and gratitude are often coupled together. Um, it's a very gracious thing to give thanks to God and to other people. You can be gracious in expressing thanks. We're losing uh, a lot of our culture to ingratitude. There's a lot of entitlement. There's a lot of people that um, uh, just don't consider others, don't think about others. And it's interesting. It's around the world, right? We just went to Nicaragua and Panama, and there's a different uh, idea. We were trying to there's not a whole lot different, I guess, in driving. I mean, there is. I mean, you, you go to different countries and there's difference in driving, but we were trying to get over just on uh, Friday, driving back to uh, Panama City, and um, Brother Ryan trying to get over. And do you think anybody's going to let him in? What do y'all think? Nope. <laughs> I mean, the, the, where, where it would naturally feel like, okay, just let this one get in. No, that car got right up to that other car. Right up on their bumper. Not very gracious at all. Um, but again, and, and I, talk, I joke about this, but the blinkers think that's a gracious expression. Blinkers. It is. You, you think, hey, you know, I'm giving favor and expressing something like that. They don't do it great over there either. Um, but people are losing the thought for others in our, in our culture. People are losing the thought of being grateful and, and having, having grace and, and, and expressing gratitude um, there were times that Brother Ryan would do that, and, um, you know, I, I, I'm not saying I'm perfect in this, but a lot of times if somebody lets me in or does something, you know, you wave your hand, right? It's tinted windows, it's hard to see, but I still do it. None of that. No, there's an expectation, there's like this entitlement, that's right, you're going to let me in, you know? Um, so, anyways, uh, great, giving grace and gratitude, but no doubt in, in, this, in this story, Joseph uh, could have acted indifferent. He could have acted differently than the way that he did. Think about it again. Think about what Joseph went through. He was wronged. He was lied about. He was, uh, again, thrown in a pit. He was discarded like he was a piece of trash. Joseph was, was completely abused. I mean, you could throw whatever word, just like a worthless piece of trash by these brothers who are now fulfilling the dream that God had given to Joseph years before. And here they stand before him. Here's his opportunity. I'm going to get you back. I'm going to make you pay. I'm going to make you feel the same hurt. 
I'm going to make you think that you thought you were better than me. You know, all the things that the flesh could, could have riled up inside of Joseph. And here he is, standing before, or these brothers standing before him. Again, the Bible says that he, they hated him. They hated him and they envied him. And whenever more good things happened to him, they hated him even more. They envied him even more. He was picked on. Remember the words when he came to see them? Before they threw him in the pit? Here comes this dreamer. He thinks he is. I don't know who he thinks he is. He, you know, he's going to get what's coming to him. And again, he, was, he, he could have returned that to them. Again, he, what, what else did he go through? He was left out. Sometimes that, in, in, in school, that's what makes kids feel really, really bad, right? When they're left out. Sometimes it feels that way for adults as well. They're left out. Joseph, with his own brothers, left out, betrayed. All of these things. I mean, we could just pick one of these things, let alone all of the things, all by the same brothers that he had, would have been enough fuel for his fury against them. He had the power. He had the opportunity. He had the, the human reason. He had the, the reasons in his flesh. I mean, they did not even care about him. They left him to die, and then they said, oh, you know what? Let's benefit even more. It's not enough that he would die. Let's make some money off of him. And then just cast him aside into a slavery, and we'll not even care anything about where he goes or what happens to him. He had the opportunity. Here he was, had the power, had the opportunity. There it was. But what we see with Joseph is the opposite of maybe what we would expect from human nature. And it's exactly the same response that we see or we saw in our Lord. As we've talked about, Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ, Old Testament type of Christ. There's been things that we've looked along the way, and this is one of those things. Here stands his, his, uh, the, the enemy, if you will. Here stands those who betrayed, those who cast him aside, those who lied, those who, 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 who wanted him dead. Here they stand before him, and instead of casting judgment, instead of, of condemning, like Jesus on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. Joseph has a plan to show grace. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we see this. For what glory is it if when you're buffeted for your faults, you're corrected for your faults, you take it patiently. That's the right thing to do, right? If you do something wrong, you get corrected. That's the way it is. But if you, when you do well, you suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For hereunto, even hereunto were you called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in a step who did no sin, Neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but he committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. I think sometimes the, the, the reality is this. We struggle with giving grace. And when we struggle with giving grace, I think I put this in the notes as well, we refuse to use the power of grace in our life. And the reason why is, it because, is because it takes discipline to give it. It takes discipline to give, spiritual discipline, to give grace. Again, grace is that unmerited favor. It's that, that attribute uh, 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 of gentleness, of joy, of pleasantness. 
It's those things that, that we should be defined by in our life. It goes against flesh. It goes against the human nature. And so when we, we, we struggle with it, we, we kind of hinder the power of grace in our life because this is powerful. What Joseph is doing now with his brothers in our story is a powerful thing. He's given grace. He's given favor to those who don't deserve it. We talked about last time. We talked about it before in, 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 in this message. It's much easier to operate without spiritual discipline. Right? It's just a lot easier to do it. It's a lot more fun in the flesh to just act the way that I feel like acting. To just treat people the way that I feel like treating in the moment, regardless of what is most beneficial, both for them and for God's glory and His kingdom. It takes discipline. It's easier to enable the flesh. It's easier to enable the flesh and act and speak with emotion rather than the spirit. But I want to ask this morning, what heavenly good does it do to act like that? What heavenly good does it do to act ungraciously or not to give grace? The answer is none. It, it, it does no good to tell somebody a, a give somebody a piece of your mind. It does no heavenly good to rip them a new one. It does no heavenly good to ream them out. It, tells, it, it does no heavenly good to treat them the way that they treat you in a negative way. This divine gift of grace that Joseph gave wings to in this situation. Think about this. This lesson of giving grace is still being taught in 2019. So I said a while ago, the, the power of grace. The power of, of, of us giving grace is something that is, uh, again, being experienced thousands of years later to every tribe and nation and tongue. Joseph was used, his expression of grace to his brother. That is, that's the power of grace available to us in our lives today. And so I want my life to make a mark for the kingdom of God. I want my life to, to bring glory to God. Then one of the main things we've got to learn to do is to operate with grace. Is to give grace the way that we've received grace. Let's not limit what God can do through our extending grace to others. Because we don't feel like they deserve it. That's the definition of grace unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. We don't give it because somebody deserves it. We give it because someone doesn't deserve it. It's the same thing with us and God. None of us is righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None deserve the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. None of us. No, not one person, I don't care if you've been raised in church, you try to do everything right. I don't care if your life is completely consecrated from, from day one to the end. The Bible says all have sinned. The Bible says that none are righteous. Nobody deserves what God did for us and gave to us. And so every time we think, I don't know that I want to treat them like, I don't want to say like, I don't know that I, they deserve this. We need to consider what God did for us in giving us grace. It's a virtue that we are empowered to live with them. 
D.L. Moody said this, a man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough for the next six months or take sufficient air into his lungs at one time to sustain life for a week. It's breath by breath, meal by meal, day by day. In the same way, we must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. I, need, I, I don't just need God's grace for salvation, which he's extended to me, which I've accepted and trusted him for, but I need grace every single day from God. As the Israelites camped in the wilderness six days a week, they would have to go out and gather daily their daily bread. They needed the, the, the provisions that God alone provided to them through his grace. And it's the same thing for us on a daily basis. The Lord wants us to remain dependent upon him, to, to, to operate in his grace and to give his grace. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I, I want to ask the question this morning, that if we've received grace and, and we are to operate in it, what does it say when we don't act or speak in grace? What does it say when we don't give grace the way that we received it? Does it mean that we think that we deserve God's grace? In other words, if we say, I'm not going to give grace to them because they don't deserve it, then, then it, does it say that we are the ones in our life that deserve God's grace? Because I'm not willing to give it as I've received it. The grace that was extended to us. The grace that God continues to give on a daily basis to us. To live victoriously. To live with His Spirit. To live in His truth is a great gift from God. Sometimes we don't think about that. I realize that. Sometimes we don't realize that when we got up this morning and, 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 and uh, we, we have the freedoms that we have, and uh, I realize there's other virtues that are involved with this, but it's all by God's grace. I, I, I didn't earn the freedom that I have. I didn't, I, I, don't, I didn't earn the breath in the air. I didn't earn the opportunity to have the truth. I didn't earn anything that is good and, 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 and a gift from God. It's all by His grace. And so every day when we go about and we operate in this life and we have all these blessings, they're all gifts of grace from God. Undeserved, unearned, but given just the same. Therefore, one of the godliest things I believe that we can do is to give grace, extend it to others as God has extended to us. Let's be reminded of James chapter 4, verse 6. That he gives more grace. And remember, this is not talking about salvation. Because grace is enough in salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith. But he goes on to say that he gives more grace. Wherefore he saith God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Second Timothy chapter 2, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4, Let us therefore come boldly before the throne, under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Grace to help in time of need. I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that, but I, I know I have as a testimony of God's goodness and his grace in my life. There have been times that God has answered prayers for, for me, for us, for our church, that are very clearly gifts of grace from God. Undeserved, but still given to us in times of need. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9, 
It says this, Do not be led away with diverse and strange teachings, for it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. Think about this as I close. What would your life look like if grace was never a factor? If you had never experienced God's grace, what would your life look like? Not only God's grace, but what would your life look like if you had never experienced grace from others? Think about that. How bad would your life be? How important has grace been for you? Again, we could, we could all say grace means everything because I have no salvation other than grace. But I'm talking about also this abiding grace, the grace that God gives to the humble, the grace that, that, that he gives in, in, in times of need. What would your life look like? If it wasn't for God's grace extended, if it wasn't for others' grace extended to you, along your life's path, what would your life look like? A teacher giving you grace? A spouse giving you grace? A friend giving you grace? A boss giving you grace? On and on and on we can go. What would your life look like if God and others hadn't extended grace to you. Remember, we are accountable with what we've been given. And if God's given us grace, we should give it because he's given it to us. We are to give grace if we're going to live lives to honor the Lord. And that's the truth you can remember and write down and live by. If we're going to live a life that honors God, we need to give grace. The Bible says, do unto others as we'd have them do unto you. And I want to say this, and this is important, because maybe you're going through something right now, maybe something's been stirring in your heart, maybe in your mind, maybe somebody's hurt you, maybe you've been going through something, so I just, I, I want to do that, but there's just no way I can. Grace doesn't excuse wrongdoing, right? It doesn't. That's not how God gave Grace. It came at a price, our sins. When God died on the cross, he didn't, he didn't say, oh, it's no big deal, you know. No. There was a price. There's a call. Grace doesn't excuse wrongdoing, but it definitely does extend long-suffering. The same long-suffering that we received. Have you received grace through faith in Christ alone? Have you received salvation? It's that courtroom illustration, right? You've, you've done all the wrong. You walk into the courtroom. The judge is about to condemn you. And somebody walks in, pays your debt, frees you. You didn't do anything to earn it. You did all the wrong. You deserve the punishment. Somebody comes into the courtroom and says, I'll pay their complete debt. Let them go free. That's grace. You didn't earn it. This morning, let's be reminded of the grace that we've received. And let's live with grace. Let's live with grace by, by speaking it, by showing it with our gratitude. Let's give grace and forgiveness. Let's give grace and asking forgiveness. Let's live lives of grace because that, that's going to honor the Lord. When people look at our lives and they say, man, how, how and why do you live with so much grace? 
then it gives an open door to us to say, because I've received so much grace from the Lord. He's changed my life. He extended it to me. If you're battling this morning with, with giving grace, showing grace, as I said a while ago, because of, of a situation, I want to encourage you, come to this altar this morning. Pray there in your seat. Meditate. Think about the grace that's been extended to you. Think about the, the many wrongs that you've done in your life and that God has forgiven you in his grace. And go from there. If you've never received the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, I want to tell you this morning, as I've already said, you can't earn that gift. You say, when I die, I want to go to heaven. Well, there's only one way to go to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said it himself, there's only one way to the Father, and he was the way. If you've never come to Christ and said, Lord, I'm sorry, I, forgive me. I've done wrong. I've lied, I've stolen, I've cheated, I've, 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 I've lusted, I've, I've used your name in vain, or whatever. I mean, there's, there's so many offenses. If you've done those things, then you've offended God's holy law, his, his perfect, his righteous standard. You say, well, then how could I go to heaven? Because of what Christ has done. Because of his grace. He came and died on the cross for your sins. He was buried, he rose again the third day. And he's willing to cancel your debt out. He's done it. The price has already been paid. But you have got to accept that gift. It's a gift by grace. If you've never done that before, I encourage you. It's the only way to eternal life. You can do that today. You can come to this altar. You can come and talk to somebody here. Uh, you can, after the service, say, you know what? I, I want that. I've never accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never turned my life over to Him. I, I've never done that, but I want that. I want to go to heaven when I die. And I encourage you to do that today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the reminder this morning about how important your grace is in our life. God, none of us would be here without your grace. Or maybe there's some here that have never accepted the free gift of salvation that you've offered to all men. I pray they would see that this opportunity is, is a gift of grace in itself. Lord, that you're not willing that they would perish, but that you want them to have eternal life. And so I pray that you'd move this morning that way, that you'd move in all of our lives that we would operate in grace, that we would grow in grace, that we would give grace as we've been given. God, that you'd be honored through our lives. I pray that you move now in this invitation. I'll praise you for that as well in Jesus' name.